Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Shot Blast Media podcast. I'm David and today I'm here with my fellow editor Sam and we're going to be talking about editing. It's quite uh, common for a client to ask us during filming or at the end, how does editing work? So we thought we'd go into a bit more about the process of the post-production workflow. There are many types of videos we produce for industry, such as interview-based, documentary, brand videos, with or without voiceover, with text maybe, adverts, commercials, instructional, health and safety, drone, parody, and lately because of how everyone's having to work from home, lots of video chat-based videos using software such as Zoom and Teams. Yeah, we've kind of done a lot on each of those really uh, as, as a company. And we thought we'd, for a little, little special little gimmick for this podcast, is we create like a little brief uh, of a, a fake brief of something we'd be planning to edit, um, talk about the process, the uh, beginning, middle, and end of it all. Bit of fun. Yeah, that's it's interesting, isn't it? Like, if you, a lot of the times that we'll get, but as editors, we'll just get the footage handed to us. One, a, a cameraman will go out either on their own or with a director or it might be two cameramen and we'll just be handed um, this giant folder of, of footage. So we thought that's a good thing to talk about maybe on here, how that would how that would happen. So we thought this fake brief could be uh, a client, like a, a manufacturing factory or a power plant, for example. Uh, they want a video to show what they do. Uh, and their brief is to have a two minute max video to put on all social media platforms. Uh, they need their contact info at the end a uh, logo and that sort of thing. So we're saying the footage we're handed is about 25 minutes worth of an interview, an hour's worth of kind of cutaway B-roll footage, which means just all the shots of the factory and staff working, exteriors, interiors, any key machinery that they have, any vehicles. We've also, there's a footage, we've dis- a folder we've discovered that says drone. So there's some drone footage we've got to look at and also photos for time-lapse. Well, we don't know what's in that yet. It could be an existing time-lapse shot or one we have to make up. Uh, also a key thing on the brief, our fake brief, uh, this video, this footage was filmed in February, so it's before any kind of social distancing measures, so how do we get around that? Is there footage that has lots of people close together or, well, we don't know yet, so it's how do we get around that and to keep an eye on those sort of things. Uh, also in the brief is we can show as much or as little of the interview as we want. We can have it as a voiceover, we don't need to show the person. That says we, it's kind of left up to us, uh, and we go from there. Well, I think the first steps of that will be taking that footage, getting getting it all, you know, watched first, I guess. You know, you want to watch it all first, get an idea of what you're doing, because if someone just, you know, a lot of times when we're doing this, you know, you don't exactly know what we're filming. So we don't know what the, um, you know, the, the person giving us the footage has filmed. So I'll look through it first, get a better idea of it. It should be always the the job of the editor, shouldn't it? Exactly, yeah. I mean, for this, the interview is the main thing that's going to act as the voiceover or the story. So, you know, just if that's been organised already or you could try and find it. So, yeah, we'd watch through that interview at least twice. The fact it's quite short, so it says here, yeah, it's 25 minutes. Uh, I'll definitely, you yeah, know, make notes because a lot of that 25 minutes is going to be unusable takes so straight away kind of get rid of those a lot of it could be the director just talking or they just the camera's left rolling when some noisy truck or machine is on and they're having to wait for it so just because you've got a 25 minute clip doesn't mean there's 25 minutes of usable stuff and remember we've got to get this down to two minutes so 
I think um well that that's kind of the yeah the, the first job isn't it really it's taking it all and just thinking okay well let's go to that let's go to that let's go to that and you will get down to two minutes on your first go I mean that's what I've always found with doing stuff is get all the best bits all the bits you know all the best takes and think okay well we'll come back to that let's just get it as short as possible so maybe you get down to from 25 to about 15 which off 10 minutes that's obviously still not enough so like, okay cool well now let's choose the best takes out of each one and then take away all the others. You could have, you know, let's say there's a, there's a line and you've got maybe four takes out of it. You're like, okay, cool. These are all really good takes. Let's be selected. Let's take one. And the other three have gone. That could take off maybe three minutes. You never know. So. We've got also there's um, things like this. There's usually a kind of the director or, or someone else, another crew member usually asking questions and we don't, we normally need to cut those questions out. So it's always, it's always helpful when the person answering the questions kind of puts the question in their answer. So it kind of gives it context to what they're talking about. Again, you have to kind of manipulate the conveyor answer a bit to, so it makes sense. But it may also help as well if it's been filmed in order. Sometimes it's not in order. Sometimes they redo beginning stuff. So I've always found when we shoot stuff, it's someone doing their intro and their first question never that good because they're a bit they're a bit maybe nervous or not warmed up yet. So a lot of the times that the first question or two is usually redone at the end. And that's important things having the notes just to get that clip and put it at the beginning. Yeah, like I said, once you've got down to maybe three or five minutes, obviously still much longer than the um, the brief, but you know, you try and get a, a narrative story that maybe the person needs to introduce themselves, introduce the plant or the factory and what they do there, maybe how many staff they have. Uh, if they've got the key, you know, unique things that they do, is there a new, do they do a unique product or process? Uh, make sure they kind of get that stuff. I call it the match of the day thing. You get, you know, get the most important, sometimes the most important key facts up front, especially on these social media videos. It can be short, but People do switch off quite early, don't they? So if you don't leave, don't leave the important things, messages, or information to the end. That do you get it up front as soon as you can. You got to interest them from the get go. So there's nothing wrong with moving stuff about if it's necessary to get that appeal from people. So what would you kind of do next? You know, once you got the interview, you're happy with that it makes some sort of sense, tells a story. We've got, yeah, like I said, about an hour's worth of, of cutaway B-roll footage. This is where I suppose you start to, you know, I mean, we haven't, obviously we should mention, you know, we, we, we do all, we do this primarily on Premiere Pro. Um, and, you know, you've obviously got to set up, you know, the format of your sequences and, and everything before you start cutting all this footage. So, um, you know, You've got to choose your, your best, you know, depending on what your filming format is. You've got to set a sequence to that. You've got to, talk, you've got to look at frame sizes and speeds because they don't line up. It's just not going to look very good. You're going to notice a really bad delayed frame rate. So that's always something you should um, look at before you start editing because it's very easy. And, and I'm guilty of this in the past, you know, just sticking a, a video file onto a sequence and letting it match. You know the 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 the, the sequence was like, oh, you know, uh, do you want to do you, you want us to match uh, whatever here? Like, oh yeah, yeah, that'll be brilliant, brilliant. Saves us some time. But you don't realise actually, it's a bit deeper than that. 
and you don't might not notice it at first, but you know the, the frame rate can it can be really jagged and feel really awkward. And I've noticed that quite a bit when I'm doing drone videos. So that's always something you should um, double check before you before you start playing around with that. But then as well, you've got your library as well. You got to you know you got to create your own a neat and tidy library on your Premiere um, file, so everything's there. You know all your assets and stuff are in a neat place, so it doesn't get too complicated. Yeah, that's a really important thing, especially it, it comes down to, yeah, a lot of experience of straight away of, of knowing the technical specs of the footage you're given. Uh, you can't always assume that it's what you've used before from that cameraman. Let's say, you know, they could have hired a camera, bought a new one. It's got different specs or something they might have shot in slow motion. Uh, obviously, the various ways to seeing what all the footage is by getting the info or Premiere Pro tells you. But yeah, it's important to you to organise those bins and get that sequence so that's the correct settings to what your footage is, because if the more work, the more preparation you do up front before you actually start editing, means you don't get any two issues, like you, like you were saying, as you get on or when you come to export. Or even sometimes, yeah, you notice sometimes, oh, so why isn't this playing right? You've spent so long editing and it's not quite right. You've got footage that maybe has different frame rates, and one of them's playing a bit jerky. All that stuff, you know, if you've got, if you've got an eye on the ball, you can notice that at the very start and get all your technical things lined up so everything plays and runs smoothly. I've had that issue where I've not done that and then I've gone to edit it and then, you know, uh, Lottie said, or you said, you can tell the frame rate's a bit dodgy there, you know, you set the sequence right, I'm like, oh, God. So then I'll change it and at that point all the clips will, you know, they'll, they'll either shorten or maybe, and you're like, oh, I've got to go back and I've got to time the music, right? Cause you, to it all now because I've redone it and it does yeah it can add another hour onto your work and it's it's not helpful um, I suppose that's you know learning it's how you learn and stuff but it, it's yeah it's infuriating <laughs> you do that yeah you often come across things like if someone's filmed something on their phone the frame rate will be something completely random like 30.01 you're like what's this yeah. frame rate and they'll give you the audio file that they record on another device that's 25 frames a second and they don't match up you're like ah oh, how do we get around this yeah it's a pain but i mean once you've got that you're good to go really and that's when you start i was gonna say i think that's like the most it's the most taxing part is choosing the best bits and getting it down to two minutes and stuff you know um especially for when i've, when I've edited a massive file i've been like right i've got to get these into loads of subsections you know like when i'm doing drones and stuff like okay these are let you know left shots let's get all the left shots into there and stuff and it, and it that that's probably where a lot of the time i don't know for me personally i think that's where a lot of the time is you put into is, is separating all those shots and, and choosing the best ones yeah that's it i mean i'll if i've got an interview whether it's something like this that's 25 minutes or longer I just normally create like a a timeline or a sequence is where you edit just for that so that stays there so it's tidy and you create another one for all these kind of cutaway b-roll shots so they're kind of separated at the start otherwise if you bring what two three hours worth of footage onto a sequence it becomes a real mess so you would say if you can organize it and just choose little bits of it and bring it down it makes a mass difference and you know color color coding stuff yeah because normally when you bring it down every clip is the same color like a, an iris color and you, you don't want to look at like 300 things that all look the same. You'd be like, what, what's going on here? 
Uh, yeah, so yeah, going back to our fake fake brief. If you've got an hour's worth of footage and you know you still got to get down to two minutes, that's again, there's gonna be a lot of stuff that's no good. You could have ten minutes of that footage is of like the cameraman trying to get a take of something in the, some machine doing something and they keep missing it or something goes wrong with the machine. So oh, I always know, don't panic when you know you've got all this footage because you know that a lot of it is going to be no good. Obviously not going to be used anyway. So you can still, from this hour, try and get it down still to 10 minutes. And you still want to yeah. keep it really tight. Again, keep the best of. Some shots might be mini scenes. They might have an ex a, shot, a, few, a little scene where some guy's some guy operating machinery might be uh, in a changing room or somewhere where he puts all, you know, PPE on, gloves, visor, helmet, that sort of thing. And then you've got them going over, up some stairs, uh, turning, getting the machine ready and then turning it on and stuff and then the machine doing its thing. So there's many scenes like that you almost need to edit. That seems to be quite a common thing, isn't it? Yeah, you got to get the, the points of interest, haven't you? Um the big dynamic looking things and, and where things are happening. You want something that's something has to happen. Something needs to be going on because otherwise you're going to lose your audience's attention if there's nothing interesting happening. And then you've got to match that thing, someone working with a machine to maybe what the, the interview saying in the background, the voiceover, you got to match it. So we're like, ah, oh, okay, that's what they're talking about. Um, but then, you know, as well as that, you've also got to have a, a, a keen eye to look at, you know, you could see something that looks really interesting and be like, oh, that's brilliant. That I'll use that. But are they wearing a helmet? Has something gone wrong in that? You know, you need, because if you put that out, it's kind of really impressional. You need to have a keen eye and make sure, you know, you're looking at the background of the shot saying, okay, if the slightest thing doesn't work here, I can't use that. Yeah. They're going back to what you were just saying previously on. It's usually when something is filmed in the interview, the interview is usually done first on the shoot, which is most useful because then examples that they've talked about, you can then go and film them after getting, you know, cutaways, B-roll shots of that, of that machine or, or that process happening. So most of the time we will be, if they're talking about, like example I just said of that guy, getting PP on stuff, they'll talk about that, then you can show that scene for when he's talking about that. Uh, also, there's a lot of the times where they're talking about something, but that day that machine might not be working or that person might not be there. So you almost need some very generic shots of stuff happening that still don't clash too much. You're not trying to say, this guy's talking about this or this lady's talking about this, but what you're seeing is that. You want to confuse the audience too much. You try and make those sort of shots very as general as possible, almost all you go outside, show a really wide shot. So lots of stuff is go. it could be any of those things. Yeah. You've got yeah, well yeah, you if someone mentions a name, like you said, or you could be like, Oh, I don't have that shot. Is there a substitute I can put in there? Or can I cut that name out somehow? Can I cut a bit of the interview out and maybe replace it with something else? And it feels like it's part of the same interview, maybe. I don't know. You've got a it's problem solving, isn't it, I suppose? Um yeah. which everyone that you have to do in editing all the time. It's, it's but it's also, you know, that that, that could work quite well because if you, let's say, you know, we, she meant, you know, whoever, let's say we've got the interviewer, sorry, the interviewee says, blah, 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 this piece of machinery. And we maybe have had time constraints on the shoot and we've not been able to film that piece of machinery, let's say, or something's, something's come up. But that piece of 
you know, that's really important. It's like, okay, well, let's chop that bit up. Maybe she's talking, and then we maybe make it like that person's talking about a different piece of machinery. But then you've got that cut in between one part of what she should be talking about, the one that we haven't filmed, and you've got to talk a bit about the other half. Like, okay, right, well, let's put a clip in between those bits of like as a cut, um, make it sound like it's all one track. So that's that's a good way of problem solving as well, which you see a lot in editing. Yeah, I, I do that a lot. Like if if someone could see a timeline of someone's interview, it's sometimes it's so cut up to try and where I've just reconstructed the sentence in a good way to show, to make it more concise. Because a lot of people, um, maybe they'll end up waffling on or say something quite wrong and no one notices until you've started editing it. Uh, I noticed that something on something actually editing yesterday that uh, the left and someone, there was a sentence where there was some saying left to left, the right to right, and then right. There's so many lefts and rights that I, either the script was wrong or the person saying it was slightly wrong, but managed to cut out an individual word of someone saying left and putting it where she'd see right, say right. And because then you're not, you're seeing a cutaway shot, you can get away with that. So some things you constantly have to fix and replace, but then obviously no one will ever know that if they weren't part of the uh, editing process. You can hide a lot of things like that. But like we're just saying with this, for this fake brief, if you've got, if like I said, the machine wasn't working that day and they're talking about it, you could, you know, it says in the brief you can show as much or as little as the interview as you want. You could just cut back to showing the person interviewed just having them them coming back on screen for a few seconds. Yeah, or you could I mean I do this a lot with the vlogs we edit. Is is it's kind of a an easy one, a very basic one, but it's let's say you want to you've split up an interview to get rid of a word or a phrase or something, you're like, ah, well it looks like it's properly cut now because she moves or something between between that word. So that's when you'd maybe, you know, have a you have it. You'd maybe scale it a bit. So the next shot, you know, you could talk at a normal scale, and then in the next shot where you, where it's been cut up, it looks a little awkward. You scale it so it doesn't look as bad. So it kind of zooms in a bit. And it zooms back. It looks quite natural. It looks like it 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 fits well. It doesn't seem very jagged. And you're like, ah, okay, just zoomed in a little bit. Which is what I do with Lottie's logs um, on our channel. I think that works quite well. Yes, yeah, so when you, for those who aren't sure, we've talked about scaling a lot. And most of the stuff that we film is uh, in a resolution, well, 4K, which is a huge, huge frame size. So if you look, at, if you're looking at your computer monitor now, the scale of the actual footage that we we have is like four times the size of that. So you do have a lot of scope to zoom in and out of that without losing quality. So you can do jump cuts, like you were just saying, within that image. So it looks like. It was maybe shot on different cameras. One was close at uh, the lens that was close up. One was kind of slightly further back. So filming on a really high resolution format does mean that you can basically fix things, doesn't it? Either in a creative way or a problem-solving way. Yeah, exactly. That's where you've got to use your initiative and find ways around it. And I think that's what's really good about editing is that there's you've got so many options and tools at disposal um, that you can, you can do anything. That, you know, there was, there's that phrase, you know, fixed in post that I hear a lot in term, you know, and I think that's it. I think that's editing's probably one of the hardest jobs because you've got to find a way. If you've got a problem that you can't go back and shoot with, you're like, oh, well, how am I going to do this? But you've got tons of options. Like we were saying, you know, scaling or cutting in different clips, you know, voiceover and stuff. Um, 
it's just using initiative and thinking, right, well, what 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 are the ways out of this? Which one's the best? Which one works with what we're doing? Which one do you think the client will like specifically? Do you think they'll work for them? Yeah, I've always said to people, it's like, when say a particular a brief like this, it's you, in a way, it's kind of like doing a puzzle, but there's no picture to reference from. Just a just a brief. You're not copying what you're seeing. You have to kind of create something from the footage that was there, especially if you're not on the shoot. A lot. Of, it does make a massive difference, I think, if you're if you're on the shoot whilst it was all happening. So you've got a much better idea of what what footage there is. A big a big difference as well. You've always got a it's that puzzle piece, that puzzle final image is a bit more clearer before you actually start. It's, it's the hardest way of just given a folder of footage and, and some saying, here you go, get on with it. Yeah, no, totally. That, that's it. I suppose it's I like your little um, analogy there for it being a puzzle because it is really, you know, you, you've got all this stuff at disposal, like, right, how I've just got to fit it together. But I suppose like, you know, you, you do it from your own kind of, because edit. There's so many different editors out there. You know, you see a lot of um, filmmakers, like, I mean, someone notable, movie Edgar Wright, he's got a very distinct editing style. And in terms of you and me, I'm sure you and me have got very, I mean, I've learned a lot from you, but we'll have our own editing styles. So there's always a bit of personal flair to it as well. You're saying, okay, well, I've got all this stuff. How can I add my flair to it? Um, you know, I haven't been on the shoot, so I'm just going to use my... My initiative, that initiative is partly personal flair as well. There's a lot of things you can, like, oh, you know, it's a, you know, you know, it's a, a, a George Miller film because of the way he censors a lot of his shots. So, you know, it's an Edgar Wright film, so these fast paced things that make these boring things look interesting. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a big thing as well. It is, it's a, the puzzle. With the puzzle, you, uh, you, you, do, you don't want to do a, I think, I think, you know, there's a there's a basic level of editing we can notice something's been basically edited or you have that personal flair and it is part of the problem solving process. Yeah, and there was this, if you slightly go on the, the other end of the other end of it of some things we've done kind of more lately, so in the last year is kind of more uh what we call them like skits, either for ourselves or for a client and they are more they are we they're designed to be very short, either thirty seconds to sixty seconds and quite heavily scripted and worked out by through you know various meetings between ourselves either between ourselves and the client um so we know what kind of shots we're going to do is like well this is more of a commercial advert rather than that might make more sense to people if you know you go you shoot the shots that you need so there is a, a picture there for when you're editing it because you know you've shot that shot first second and that's and you just find the best take and you do it that way. Look, that's very different to something like this where there's hours worth of footage. Um, for like an advert, for what we've done, there might be 10, 15 minutes of footage and you know exactly what order it needs to go in. I'm not saying it's not creative. I think the more the creative stuff is done up front, isn't it, for that, of coming up with the ideas as a team uh, and then maybe a test shoot and then actually shooting it. The, the edit's almost done, isn't it, in that pre-production part the editor could have a big role in the 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 pre and uh actual production and know exactly what they're doing and say okay cool well, i've got a, a good level i know i've seen the storyboard i've been on set i know exactly what i'm doing but when you come to it you could be like 
ah, no, we're hold, hold on. Why don't we why do we change that bit up and use a bit? You could improv your editing a little bit, but ah, oh, well, actually, now I look at it, let's do it that way. There's a lot of things you change in editing that maybe you don't, you know, you don't see at first. And I mean, when I've done a lot of my like short personal films, I've been, you know, I've not, I've not really done a storyboard as such. Cause I always change my mind during editing. So I'm like, okay, well, uh, and it's just become a common thing. It's not that for everyone, but there are a lot of times when you're going to change your mind or say to you, you know, your client, look, I've seen this, 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 this route, uh, route. It's a bit of a different route to what we're going for. Um, here's an example of it. And that can, you know, it can, it can mean quite a bit, actually. A little a little change in editing could actually just change the entire production for the better. In our fake brief, we have a time-lapse folder of multiple, well, I'm going to say multiple, it could be thousands of images that were taken from a particular camera. If people are not sure what time-lapse is, it's just for if it's like on a site like this, if something's, if there's a construction, it could be done over an hour, a day, weeks or months. Uh, it's a site we were filming at uh, a few months ago before this, and they said that they've been there for like a year, and they've had a camera on a, a building opposite. They got permission to have it basically take it's one or few, a few photos a day for a whole year, so you can just see uh, in within ten seconds a whole year of the site changing from them changing all, all the land remediation up to like the actual structure being built. So you could have thousands and thousands of photos. Uh, there are various ways to quickly and easily just choosing the best, the first clip, the first image rather, and then then choosing the end one. And there's multiple ways you can automatically just create a video clip from that. Uh, often obviously there'll be a lot of, in time-lapse, there'll be a lot of shot bits where it's nothing happening. So you cut that out, isn't it? Normally time-lapse, a few seconds is useful in it. But obviously that could take a long time to do. So that's how you normally deal with that. If it's nothing happening, you can just do a jump. You can basically jump cut it as much as you want because it's meant to show time changing and jumping. Uh, same with time-lapse. It's usually shot on really high resolution format. So you can do a fake camera move. You can zoom in 10% really slow. So it looks like the camera is always constantly moving forward or left to right. And that's obviously another little storytelling technique, especially on a lot of the work we do in industry where things are being built or land is being is being changed it takes a long time for that to happen like on a lot of your drone films that you know there's you edit the drone operator will go there a few months later go back film an update and so forth like that it's not some things could you could do in an hour but other things like that could take you know months uh, another useful thing yeah once you've added like the drone shots and the time lapse what, what have we got now yeah, once you've got all that, you know, you, you've you've chosen what you want in in where you got to look. You, then I think you've got to look at sound, um, which is stupidly important. Sound editing. Um, you know, let's say you've got a I mean, first things first. You got to make sure your audio levels are at a comfortable level, uh, which is really easy to do actually on, on Premiere at least. You know, making sure that there's a, a balance. We normally have it between like nine and twelve, and you can you can see on Premiere where what the levels are like if they go red then you're like no, that's going to be deafening so you want to take it down to a comfortable uh green um and then with that you know you if you want to have a music track in the background um 
there can be quite a bit of time put into editing that as well, actually. You know, let's say you got a bit of stock music. The client wants a bit of stock music in there. They've chosen. Um, and they specifically they specifically want that. I I've I've had the, this issue before where I've been like, okay, well the music's a bit shorter than the actual video. So at that point, they but they they're very adamant they want that music. So okay, well let's play it twice, but we don't want to just be put that track there, put that track that that track there. You can make them kind of flow into each other. So you can use a lot of like um, what's the word uh, effects. You can use a lot of like audio effects to make them seem like it's the same track. Well, it is the same track, but they're on a you know it sounds like it's just going on longer. It's actually just going into the next track. Um, and it could be quite effective. You can cut the track depending on what, you know, let's say it's a really loud, bombastic bit. You can cut the end of that and then you can cut the end of the, the next one and it can sound like the same track. So that, that's quite useful. Um, and I've had that a lot. I'm not sure if you know this, this might blow your mind, but <laughs> in, a, in Adobe Audition, you can get a piece of music and then go to the remix tool and tell it exactly how long you want it to be and it'll automatically remix it perfectly to that length. No way. That's going to help me out in the future. <laughs> As if. And it takes, um, yeah, you can probably do that in about a minute or two. Oh, wow. I, I will show you next time. Uh, or you, know, you, do. <laughs> you learn something new every day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's another key thing. Like I've been using Premiere for, what, I don't know, eight, well, ever since college. So how many years that is? And you still pick up things. It, you know, it almost... Every every few weeks, just something I didn't realize that, or you'll watch a video of someone else doing some tutorial thing or whatever, and or you discover something by accident, or you know, because we edit, uh, Lottie edits, and other people we know, they'll just mention something like I just did, and you're like, oh, no way, I've spent all this time doing it that way, could have saved loads of time. Like I discovered the other day, it really felt really dumb. Like you can close if you've got loads of clips and loads of gaps, you can highlight them all and just go to close gap rather than moving them all individually, which I did not know. Well, I think that's the beauty, like you're saying, that's the beauty of it. You do learn something new every time you do it, you know, most of the time anyway. And I think that's, whether it's learning them by yourselves or on problem solve, saying, oh, I don't know how to do that, you know, looking up a quick YouTube tutorial. I think that's what's really good about it. There's so much there, you know, that you're disposal to use and learn. I think that's what's quite interesting about it. It's evolving. It's always evolving, and your skills are always evolving with it. Yes, for music, we you know we always get. It's very rare that well there'll be um, budget for a composer because that that costs quite a bit. So there's many uh, you know stock music sites where there's really really good tracks and you pay for the license for well it's quite not too bad for having it online. Obviously, it costs a lot lot more if you want it for TV or cinema. So we get a lot of music from those sort of sites. Uh, it's pretty tricky saying to the client, you go and choose because it's like literally a needle in a haystack. There's hundreds, hundreds of thousands of tracks. So we'd usually choose one or two and get it with the edit as a temp track. Um, most of the time, the client does like it or they don't say anything, do they? Because we, kind of, we know what kind of type of music, what sort of genre and the pace works for that type of video. It doesn't seem often we have to change the music, does it? So that always helps. Uh, other things we normally end up doing in the edit, this process is, like if this person for this brief, this say if they're the site manager, will as soon as you see them on screen, we'll bring up kind of their name and their job title in text. That's a fairly simple thing to do, but usually if we've got to ask the client of their exact 
uh, wording they want. If not, we can just put in a, te uh, a temporary thing, don't we? Someone's name, and then we'll, you know, just put site manager to be to be confirmed. Uh, same in the beginning and the end. Do you need? Do they want any logos or text at the start or end? Again, usually it's good if the client can tell us any of the branding, font, uh, colors, and that sort of stuff. So you can put it at the beginning end. In most edits, I found that's usually things that are changing. If if an edit has lots of text throughout, that'll be the thing that needs changing. It's not the actual video editing. It's like changing of text and the positioning, formatting of it, any spelling or grammar that's any typos that have occurred throughout the process. Which is good because that just makes your life a lot easier. So like, oh, good. I'm glad it's just the little things, you know. Yeah, it's very rare that you like edit a lot of the video or. You know, it's quite it's very common. But if you know, if you're not on the shoot and you've used like the wrong shot of this machine or this product, and you because you didn't know, but things like that are very quick, aren't they? Just to replace it with the shot it's meant to yeah. be. I mean, that's a kind of a innocent mistake. You know, if you're not on the shoot and you, there's lots of technical names of products and stuff that you've never heard of before, you can easily get that wrong. But it's an easy, quick fix when someone who was on the shoot or client just points it out um yeah and it's kind of usually because we're we usually share our edits you know watching us between us we all you know you always getting another pair of eyes to watch your edit makes a massive difference because you're someone else will spot something that you had no idea that you maybe was wrong or you could do better that's quite a good process isn't it between us all we'll either share, oh, yeah. when we're in the office together we'll show each other or if it has to be remotely share a private link maybe a few changes and then it's well, I either send to the client or do some color grading, but a lot of time we don't, I don't, we don't need to do that on the first edit. Yeah. It's normally like a grading something you do after, depending on what that thing is. Um, like I've, if it's something like I do with Lottie's log content, it's just one track. I'll color grade it first because it's not going to change. But then if you have lots of different shots, or different shots of the interview and, and, you might need to grade it a certain, you might need to grade them all individually. Um, which, to be honest, I think one, you know, there's a lot of shots that look very similar. So you're like, okay, they look very similar. So maybe they'll need the same amount of grading. You know, you can grade one of them and you can copy attributes, paste them onto that other shot. And then you can be like, oh, uh, yeah, it looks okay. I might just up that a bit though, because it is a little different. So in terms of time saving, that could be quite a useful feature. Yeah, I mean, when we say color grading, it's just, a lot of the time, a lot of cameras in the last few years of film have this kind of, this color profile where it's very kind of gray and washed out look, tone to it, but it's meant to be like that. So it's when people like us can get to the color grading process, we can, you've got a lot more scope of of changing it. Because if it, if it's filmed in a certain way and it's kind of very contrasty and dark and burnt in, you can't change it at all. But if it's kind of filmed this course called log mode, where it's very gray and faded colors, you can just bring all that back straight away. You can put a lot of much saturation as you want back in. You can correct stuff a lot easier. There's a lot more flexibility. I mean, for say for something like this, this brief, the grading and the editing style kind of has to match the brief, doesn't it? You can't have all this, like you say, you can't do Edgar Wright type editing and all these swoosh sounds and, you know, really saturated colors because it doesn't suit what the brief is so it makes yeah. a big difference for like for that grading so you do have a lot of scope filming it that way for this sort of thing 
you've, you've got to match the personality of what the, of the brief of color. Um, you know, you it's like we, we're doing drone stuff with all like the land and looking at land, it can look very washed out. That's why you'd lift the colors up and look, make it look very bright. But then, let's say, like in, in the case of this brief, let's say it's very, you know, uh, they might want more, you know, basic coloring, like a lot of grays and stuff to, to give it, I don't know, to give it a more of a simplicity, simplicity feel, you know, simple feel and such. So it's very important, to, depending on what the video is and what you're editing, I think, and what the people have asked of you, color can make a massive difference. Yeah, it does. That. It's, there's this thing called white balance as well that cameras normally set to. And sometimes, well, if it's a camera where they're not sure what they're doing or if it's on auto settings or if someone has filmed something themselves like on a phone, which has auto settings, it might, you know, it might look really orange when it should be really blue or the other way around. So you can correct things as well to make look the right, the right color, color temperature is called. But yeah, once you've kind of done a grade, then, and we've got it down to, you know, if the brief is two minutes, a lot of the time though, it's the first edit is slightly longer because, you know, we've got to a point where we think everything in the edit is, is really useful and part of the story, uh, but the client might not think that they they might be it's kind of we've done as much as we can based on what we know and our and the brief you know it's over to them then isn't it to like okay there's it's 30 seconds too long um here's some here's some time codes of what what to cut out or what to move around or sometimes i might just think actually that is all really useful we'll just we'll push it a bit and make it slightly longer but it's obviously better yeah. to have it too long than too short you can always it's easier to lose stuff than go back through a long interview and try and find other bits, you know. Exactly. Or oh, they can just be very happy with it. I think, um, I mean, whenever I've, I've done a video and the client's asked for changes, like you were saying earlier, it, it's normally to do with text and, and logos, but that person could notice something I haven't noticed. It could just be an error and say, oh, look, there's this, you know, um, that guy's not wearing a helmet. Or this, oh, I don't know about that, actually. Could you change the greening on that? It looks a bit dark. I mean, I suppose that for me, as someone who doesn't edit as much, it's it's helpful. And you're not a professional editor might not have that issue as much. But it's good to have second opinions from the clients as well, because they might notice something that you just didn't know about in terms of, you know, if you've not been on that shoot, um, they can say, oh, I don't know if you knew about this, but so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, okay, cool, I'll, I'll, I'll sort that out. So that then reinforces what you might do on a, a next edit. You know, when you, you say, oh, I've done an edit like this before, I have not, I was told, you know, that, to do this and that, let's change that. Yeah, so it's good to have lots of different perspectives, especially your clients. Yeah, and it's kind of what we're saying because we, because we've been editing these videos quite a lot. We know for experience of you know, to keep to look out for health and safety elements. You know, sometimes we can spot things that someone's not wearing a high vis or a helmet, but they shouldn't. A lot of the time now, I'll just know. Well, I know they're not going to want to use that, so I'm not just going to put it in. Also shows that we, we are aware of that sort of thing. And yeah. same with the social distancing thing now. If something was filmed a few months ago, then you either don't use it or you bring up some text on screen to say when it was filmed. I had to do that for something um, a few weeks ago, editing something was shot earlier in the year, rather than not using it. You know, And if you don't say anything, you know, it just shows that you are aware that, you know, the current, you know, current circumstances that, you know, if you didn't put it on, you don't want comments on YouTube or wherever people go, oh, why have you got these people together? Yeah, it's, if, you, if we can spot those things first or 
mentioned to the client, and that's always a that's always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to be a bigger thing going forward as well. While people, we you know, while we're still in this pandemic, yeah, things are easy, people come back to work, but you know, so much video doing, you gotta be like, okay, but remember, we've got a social distance, we've got a social distance, we've got to follow all these guidelines, and we need to convey that through the editing as well. So if we are saying yes, this was filmed during the you know the easing of the lockdown, we are following these rules. You can see that in the video. But yeah, as you said, you know there is a lot of stuff that was shot before that people might be a bit mixed on saying, well, they're not social distancing. But yeah, yeah, but this was before, so you have to go with that disclaimer at the start, though. You have to make it very clear through your editing that what's what. Yeah, and it's the same. If anything's like filming in the next few months, it's. It's yeah. Well, it's mainly for sure, but it's the other side. Whoever's filming it to be more aware of that as well. But then you know, if they do, if it isn't quite right, we get a second chance of correcting that by not putting that in. But you could get in problems there. It could be an important scene, and they're not. It might look like they're slightly close, and they are. So you know, things. Anything that I'd say, if we go out and film, you'd make sure if it's if it's two meters, make sure they're further than that. So you're definitely safe to to use that sort of thing. Yeah, you, you, you're being a bit more like savvy, saying, okay, well, let's make it a little bit bigger so no one questions it. Because it, yeah. might, it might look a bit, you know, it might look, that, that two metres might look a bit smaller on film, just the way it's been shot. So you have to communicate. No, no, it is two metres, it's just the way it's been shot, you know, and you can you can maybe do something in editing with that, maybe. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. you take the safe route and just say, this is a disclaimer, this was all, you know, we did follow the guidelines. Uh, then usually, yeah, if the cl- once the client's happy, uh, we normally add. If it's temp music, you normally as an audio watermark on it, so we'll we'll get the license for that track and just replace it with the temporary one. Uh, final checks on grading logos and again show it around, show it around our team that everyone's happy. Uh, triple check thing, like the sake saying of the audio, make sure everything's leveled at exactly the right levels. The music. Again, just put the same system. If you've got any add, add any sound effects, triple check those. Yeah, then we've got our final final formats. So you normally export a few different ones, don't you? Depends what it's for. Depending on what you're using it for. So in this case, for the brief, they want to put it on a lot of social media channels. It's good to have different versions. So you could have, um, you know, if you bring it to YouTube, you want a really high quality one. Um, but for, you know, uh, smaller, you know, if you're doing it from a, a phone, you want to get it onto like LinkedIn and, and Facebook, that, that you need a smaller file format. So going for like a mobile 1080p, 720, depending on what they've asked for, um, it's good to export a version of that as well. And sometimes, and it's what we do as well, you know, if, if there's a lot of words in there, some people on on, on social media will, will skim past it and maybe look at it. It's good to have subtitles as well. So a lot of videos might ask you to put subtitles in there for people who just want to look at it and not listen to it maybe you know that they're they can't listen to it at that moment so a lot of our stuff if we ever do a mobile one we we, we put subtitles into it but then if we put it on youtube we do do it without the proper finalized version yeah and uh, just lately doing a few video i've been edit exporting ones for like um instagram or igtv where you Again, have a different frame size, either a rather than usual rectangle line, landscape, which is 69 ratio, the other way around. It's 9 by 16. So if you're looking at how you normally hold a phone, it's that that ratio, which doesn't mean you've got to cut off a lot of the framing, but some people have wanted that. So that's what we end up doing as well, sometimes with different formats. So that's quite a process, 
quite a well, time-consuming process, isn't it, of doing creating all these different versions if they need slightly different uh, formats, frame sizes, bit rates, and all that. So yeah, once once all that's uploaded into the various channels, then it's all done. Our fake brief completed, and everyone's happy. I know it's just one example of a small thing, but yeah, heavily covered. We've covered a little bit of the process there for people of how we get from start to finish. Yeah, um, and obviously there's so many different types of editing and, and different things you can edit. Like we were talking about the drone, drone, and then you've got obviously like proper Hollywood films and how you edit that. There's so many different types of editing. Um, and as I was saying a bit earlier on, you know, a lot of edits going to look different. You know, they're going to have a lot of personal flair to them. So every 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 edit, every process is going to be different in some way. You know, even if you're just doing the same drone video over and over again, like a time lapse kind of thing, there's going to be something different. Maybe not so much in the footage, but I mean in the editing, you know, they're always going to have a little bit of a, a, a decent bit of flair and personality to each one. Yeah, it's always interesting. I always I always think sometimes like if like for example myself, you and Lottie, if we're all given the same footage. And we're all given the same brief. We edit it in our own time and we all watch them back. How different would they be? So it's kind of a lot, like you said, about personality and your experience and, you know, how well you keep going back to the brief of what of what they want and to fit the style and all that sort of thing. Well, editing can be a character, can't it? And it's all in, in, in Hollywood films, editing can be a big character. And you'll know, you know what that means when you see it. Ah, the editing's interesting. This they've made it have a bit of flair and stuff, and that gives it character, personality, as we we're saying. So I think it's it's a it's a it's probably one of them is up there as one of the most important things in filmmaking and video production. I mean, it is. I think I think it, you could argue it's the most important thing. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, everyone listening out there, you've uh, if you not weren't sure, then you've got a better idea uh, of what we do. Maybe we can. If people are interested more in more technical stuff, we can maybe go into something else, get another camera guy with us next time, talk about uh, filming stuff side of it or anything else or graphics or whatever. Yeah, that's it from us today. Um, we'll catch you next time. See you later.